short episode of the Scottish Liberty podcast this week, episode 69. I'm currently broadcasting from India, so excuse the traffic outside. Recently, we saw the 100th, the centennial anniversary of the Russian Bolshevik Revolution, which ushered in a regime that killed millions of people, sent tens of millions to gulags, and yet still to this day, some are celebrating this as a great leap forward, if you'll pardon the pun, as some kind of popular revolution, some kind of progressive revolution. To commemorate this event in a more appropriate style, our friend Liam Harkness led a memorial service to the victims of communism and laid a wreath and gave a really rather rousing speech which I'm including as this week's episode. I hope you enjoy, I hope you find it as moving as we did. Okay, good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. Gathered here today, a hundred years on from the Russian October Revolution to remember the events that occurred and the consequences of them. When the first shots rang out from the battleship Aurora in Petrograd Harbour, that was a signal for the Red Guard to storm the Winter Palace. The sound of those shots has echoed around the world and continues to echo to this day. Often the October Revolution is portrayed as being rather benign, as having been well-meaning, an example of people power but that sadly was corrupted and went awry. That is simply not true. By the end of 1917, the oppressive organs of the Russian state had already morphed into the Cheka, the secret police and the forerunner of the KGB. To put in perspective the notion of Lenin being some sort of well-meaning character. Here's a simple extract from one of the orders he sent on February 21st, 1918. He ordered that men and women of the bourgeoisie be drafted into labour battalions to dig trenches under the supervision of the Red Guards, with those resisting to be shot. Others, including speculators and counter-revolutionary agitators, were similar to be shot in the scene of the crime. When questioned about his methods by another Bolshevik, Lenin responded, Surely you do not imagine that we will be victorious without applying the most cruel revolutionary terror. The fact is that the Red Terror is an intrinsic part of socialism. Nikolai Bukharin, one of the chief economists under the early Bolshevik regime, wrote that proletarian coercion in all its forms from executions to forced labour is, paradoxically as it may sound, the method of moulding communist humanity out of the human material of the capitalist period. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian author, spent 10 years in the Gulag for crimes which to this day he doesn't know of. In writing the Gulag Archipelago he has documented painstaking lengths, the amount of suffering that was endured and the deliberate maltreatment of human beings in the Soviet system. It is impossible for me to summarise that succinctly here or to pay tribute 
to the bravery of him for writing those words at a time when it could have spelled his death. But one thing stands out to me as an example of why the Red Terror, as it was known, is not simply an additional thing that happened in the Soviet Union alongside socialism, but is actually intrinsic to socialism. Socialism cannot function without this. And this story is that at the height of the Russian famine in 1921 and 1922, that was brought about by, amongst other things, complete economic mismanagement by the Soviets, people were starving. Now, peasant farmers, the supposed proletariat and serfs that the communists ostensibly were helping, they were starving. And so all the grain they gathered, in spite of their hunger, had to be sent to Soviet bureaucrats to be centralised and distributed and a system that was hugely inefficient but also meant them giving away the very food they needed to live on. Because of this, many would try to save a portion for themselves and hide food reserves to avoid their, themselves and their family starving. So the Soviets had inspectors going round with long metal rods which they used to probe the ground in the villages and farms to look for any hidden caches of food. Anybody found to be hold withholding food was executed and the body displayed for the rest of the people to see. Now the reason for this is quite simple, that when faced with the possibility of death by starvation, the only possible means of enforcing the cruel laws was by certain death, the threat of certain death. And we understand that socialism involves coercion to take from one and give to another to try to mould human beings into the way that the socialists think they ought to be. And that force is often necessarily brutal and fatal. Lenin died in 1924, but the terror did not end with him. Stalin picked it up and we all know about the atrocities he committed. But it would be wrong to focus on the terrors of socialism, the many who died only in Russia. Socialism has never worked, and everywhere it has been tried, it has failed and brought suffering and misery. In Soviet satellites in Eastern Europe and in Southern Europe, we saw atrocities carried out. In Hungary, Machas Rakoshi who was dubbed Stalin's best disciple, conducted an appalling regime of brutal terror using the secret police, the AVO. In East Germany, the Stasi had one of the widest networks of informants on its own people that have ever been seen. And in fact, the head of the Stasi, Erich Mielke, showed his true colours and he had the whole room system of his building renumbered so that he could have room 101. Mm. They often joke that Orwell, George Orwell's 1984 was you know, supposed to be a warning and not an instruction manual, but for those in socialism in East Germany at the time, that is what it was. It was something to be aspired to, that level of terror and control. Elsewhere in the world... We saw 50 million die in China and Mao's Great Leap Forward. In Vietnam, 
up to 900,000 people were marched out in the countryside in an attempted agricultural revolution which failed and led to misery. But not content to see it fail in just that country, the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia tried a similar thing. And in the process of their agricultural reforms, their agrarian Marxism, they succeeded in killing up to three million people, or one third of the entire population of the country, in just a few short years. It isn't confined only to the Eurasian landmass. In Africa, the Red Terror struck again. And Red Terror is the name that they used for it themselves. In Ethiopia, it was brutal in uh, oppressing people. And again, the consequences of the failed economic system led to famine, which we know sparked the Band-Aid movement uh, in an effort to try and alleviate the suffering of the population. Again, Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe's Afrocentric Marxism has succeeded in turning the country from what was known as the breadbasket of Africa to the basket case of Africa. And lastly but not least, in the New World, in the Americas, we have seen the consequences in Cuba, where during the so-called difficult period, people were reduced to eating cats and dogs, and where rationing persists to this day. In Nicaragua, the Sandinistas tried socialism, it failed. And in Venezuela, just now, we're seeing the consequences where the daily calorific intake of people is too low to sustain them and they are very gradually starving to death. And we haven't seen the huge atrocities yet and the massive scale of the famine such as in Ukraine or in the Soviet Union or in China, but we're on our way there. It's a slow, slow process of socialism ruining these countries. So why do I mention those places? Well, taking it back to 1917, we remember where it all started the first time a government had the opportunity to implement socialism and to inflict it on the population. And it did not work then, and it hasn't worked anywhere else it tried, and the Soviets did try very hard to export it. Sadly, there are many people in this country today who have not learned those lessons and who still make apologies for all the atrocities carried out. The fact is that whilst it may have promised heaven and earth, all it delivered was hell. And so today, you know, I'm going to invite Stevie to lay a wreath here to commemorate those who fell and suffered and died in socialism, not just in Russia, though that is where it all began and what we are commemorating today, but around the world in the hundred years since then. The estimated figure is something like a hundred million, though we will never know the truth. One thing we do know is that socialism kills. Stevie, would you like to do the wreath? I'd like to ask people just to join me for a minute, a moment of silence, just to remember those who died.
thank you. Thank you all who have attended today. It is often said that those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. There are a hundred million bodies out there that tell a story of a failed system and we would do well to remember that. So thank you for all joining me today to commemorate that, the horrible events of a hundred years ago and the Russian Revolution. Thank you. Thank you.